I love about you. My decade in radio by Polly James. Good morning. It is super early. 3.30 a.m. Sunday morning. We're about to go and travel do a little Welsh road trip down to London to record episode number two, the talk radio episode of the 10 Things I Love About You, my decade in radio podcast by Polly James, supported by Radio Today. Man, I love talk radio so much. I um, I first started listening 10 years ago to Howard Stern. You think that's really weird, but it's because I, I fell in love with radio when I, was, um, when I was staying with my dad in America and it was all about Howard Stern. And I just loved the whole connection and and how personable it was and how talk radio can be really powerful with uh with with that connection between a presenter and uh and an audience anyway i'm gonna ramble on because it's way too early so i'm gonna go and meet my co-host for this episode which is my current co-host matt lissack from capital breakfast in south wales uh, he's a huge talk radio fan and he loves the special guest who we're gonna go and meet today an lbc obsessive uh he won't mind me saying that but I'm going to go meet him now, and we've got a long journey ahead of us, so let's go do this. So we've just arrived in central London. We are a couple of blocks away from Leicester Square, and we're about to go and meet LBC's Steve Allen. Come on, be excited. Oh, you talk, oh, sorry, I thought you were doing it. Hello, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited. It's, this is very early for us, even though actually, we wake um, up. I'm just at YouTubing LBC jingles. <laughs> See, here's the thing, Matt is, the Matt is the ultimate radio geek, but be honest, is Steve Allen one of your favourite... This is LBC London. <laughs> is this what you do in your spare time? <laughs> yes. Um, no, LB, no I, I, Steve Allen, I mean, I've been listening to him on the radio for a few years now, because... Um, He's obviously on when we're, we're going into work in the morning. And he's just, he's like our prep source, really, isn't he? Because well, what he talks about, we can talk about it too, in, within reason. We're like, oh, what should we talk about in the, like, 6.10, like, the opener? I'm like, oh, let's talk about this this guy who's in the newspaper. I'm like, you've, you've just listened to Steve Allen, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> um, are you nervous to meet him? Yeah, I am, actually. I, I actually met him once before at the Arkiva Radio yeah. Awards. Because I, I was a bit of a fangirl, right? So I went up to him and went, hi, Steve. <laughs> I'm Matt from Capital. And he was like, oh, was it hi. a good experience? Oh, it was right. He just kind of said hi, nice to meet, nice to meet you, and that's where the conversation ended. <laughs> okay, so yeah, this is really exciting. I think he's one of the the best talk radio hosts in the UK. I think he's a pioneer at what he does, and the what, why I love him is because he gets away with the stuff I would really want to do. Do you know what I mean? But, but he, can, he can just talk as well because a lot yeah. of talk presenters. I mean, on certainly on LBC, um, he's the only show that um, doesn't take calls, and he just talks. And talks and talk and I want to find out like how does he how does he do it like yeah <laughs> do you know what I mean and also he never takes a holiday he, he's very yeah. open about that he never takes holidays and because he was gutted recently he had to he had to take a couple of weeks off because he had a chest infection didn't he mm. and he hated he was, it but he was forced to, like his boss <laughs> rang him up and said you're not coming in <laughs> <laughs> right okay let's go let's do it so here we are in the LBC studio with. Steve Allen! Hey! Woo 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 woo! We always do that on radio, we go woo 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 I know, woo woo! Clap! Yeah, we clap Breakfast shows always clap, have you noticed? We clap all the time! Me and Matt are big, big listeners of yours. I don't want to say fans because that sounds a bit weird. But, uh. creepy. Sounds very creepy. Someone says fans, you go, you listen to the programme because you're going into work. Yeah. Well, a lot of breakfast shows do, don't they? Yeah. Music radio people are obsessed with talk radio. Chris Evans. Texts me every morning. This morning he texted me three times because he's taking the kids away skiing. Yeah. He's obsessed with speech radio. Really? Wow. He loves it. He loves it's because it. I bet you he wishes that he could do what they you do. They all do. They all, everybody goes, I wish I could do that. I wish I had that freedom to do that. So nowadays you get breakfast shows like R1 here with Roman or with yeah. Moyles or something like that. You always get, it's like a round table thing. So you get lots of people chipping in, whereas I have to do it by myself. Mm. Yeah. Do you ever so. wish you could do music? No. No? Never. I'd ha- I have done music, but and, but not in this country. I did it in uh, in Austria, mm. and I used to cut the record short because I used to think I should, I should be saying something. <laughs> I thought I thought it was really embarrassing that people sort of tune in. You think that's what people tune in for? They don't tune in for the. I don't think people tune in for music. I think they tune in for the for the presenters. Yeah. So I used to be halfway through the Bee Gees. Go well, that was the Bee Gees. <laughs> Straight onto something, and I because I wanted to talk because I quite like talking. 
And it's what I do for a living. I don't, you know, I get paid for talking. Mm. So I remember saying to my boss, what happens, you know, if I dry up? He said, well, you're in trouble. You just, <laughs> so you keep talking. I don't, you know, the programme goes by really fast. I think it goes by really fast. It, uh, well, we were listening this morning. It was a great show, by the way. Thank we you. listened this morning. So I didn't and think uh, this morning was a great show. No, it oh, was. didn't so we you? Were, it was we, really we good. Laughing. We were laughing. We? Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah of um, What were you laughing at? Do you laugh um, at... I laugh at your... And don't take this the wrong way, but you're very... There we go. It's no, no, no. Rude. no, 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 <laughs> not at all. You're you're negative about a lot of things, but I find it so ridiculously hilarious. Mm. And and it's very... I love your sarcasm and wit. It's and I think a, that, yeah. that's what I laugh and at. The honesty is the... Um... It's That's what I there, say. You know, when pe- people say to me and they go, oh, you're very bitchy. And you go, no, I'm just honest. Yeah. I'm yeah. just telling it the way it is. If you don't like it, and then you get somebody writing and saying, I shan't listen to you ever again. And you think, yes, you will. You'll be there tomorrow morning <laughs> yeah. and the day after and the day after because people want to, want to listen, because people want to be annoyed. So I'll watch certain programmes on the television. I don't necessarily like them, but I tell stories about things. So I have to make sure that I've got something. But I don't start the programme thinking, Right, this is what I'm going to be talking about. It just, it's mm. the way it goes. So sometimes you can be a bit disjointed. Sometimes it, it appears focused, but it's not really. Mm-hmm. And that, I think that's why it works. I mean, that's what radio is. It's just storytelling yes. and you do it so well. It's just, it's captivating. But the older to. you are, the easier it is because I can promise you every single day something happens to you. Yeah. It doesn't, in my life, it's medical, basically. You know, <laughs> medical things, you know, falling over and doing all sorts of things. So something happens every day. Something will happen today that I can talk about tomorrow. Yeah. And you don't need to embellish it. It can just be something stupid. And you think, oh, I'll, I'll do that tomorrow. And then sometimes I forget about it. And I think, oh, I won't do it tomorrow. And I'll do it the next day. So it, it, the, there's no structure to the, to the show apart from hitting the ad breaks, which I'm rubbish at. <laughs> I'm absolute rubbish. But sound like you, do, do, you, do you drive your, your programme? Yes. Mm. Ah, right. So are you in a bigger studio than this? So we're in a studio. Well, no, it's about double the size of this. And I'm on one side, Matt's on the other side. So, and then oh. we have a producer. Oh, as well. And we can't quite work out, being in speech radio, what the producer does. I have a producer who will who will sit there and go, you've missed the break again. And I go, oh, right, I missed the break again. And so we do that. And she'll tell me about the ad breaks. But I see them up here anyway because I have three, yeah. three split yeah. ads. Okay, yeah. I have a national ad, a local ad, and then an AM ad as well. Mm-hmm. So I can see those. But I tend to... I, I, I tend to ignore it. I tend to not look at it. Unless it says three minutes, in which case that's a toilet break. <laughs> and it's funny because, we're, well, half as much content that you do, but we have a producer who is there for our content, but your producer is there just to tell you when to, you know, hit the ads and things like that. Yes, because I I don't get a designated producer for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I have a producer, but she's already worked on the overnight programme. So when I come in, I go through the papers, I mark them. When she comes in to me about 15 minutes before the programme starts, I'll go... I'll I'll just do a rundown of the stories mm. that I've seen in the papers. She then types that up because I have an inability to type. I'm totally useless. <laughs> so she has to do everything like that. And then, then I just run through that as my opener for the, for the programme. But would you, would, would you want a producer there to, to help no. you with content? No. So that's probably why no. they don't give you one. <laughs> no, I think it's like that for an awful lot of people. Uh, you met Christian a short while ago. He, yeah. He's Nigel Farage's producer. Okay. So Nigel, because he's not you know, used to radio, would need some sort of production. I've been doing it so long that it, it would be difficult for somebody to say to me, I think you should do it this way because I'm, I'm a yeah. bit too old to change. I do, I do my act, mm. as my, my boss calls it, my act as well. But he wasn't even alive when I started here <laughs> because everybody's so young in this business. So, but I, I, I take great comfort in the fact that not everybody does what I do. And that's and that's what you have to. But but you don't go into radio to go. I think I'll be different. I think I'll be controversial. I think I'll be bombastic. I think I'll be rude. I'll be obnoxious. You don't go into it for that. You just you find your own level, and yeah. finding your own level takes a long time. So I've seen people who've come into the business, into this station, and you think you think you're going to invent the wheel again, and you're not mm. because it's been done. What you've got to do is be yourself. Just be truthful. And the more truthful you are, the more the audience relate to you. If they can identify with something that you do, if you go, oh, what a head from last night. Last time I go out and you drink three chocolate milkshakes and McDonald's <laughs> or something like that. And that's that's what pe- people identify with. How long did it take you to find your, your level, as you say? Like, I don't know. I think I'm still finding it. Yeah, well, I, I agree that? with yes. that, actually, because I think you, you're, you're learning every day. And yeah. would you say that as a, as a broadcaster? It's like acting. Doing, yeah. you, know, you say to an actor, do you think you've achieved, achieved the, the sort of pinnacle of success? And they say, no, you're always learning. Because every time you come out, there's a different audience. Every mm. time I come on air, there'll be different people writing in saying, I've only just discovered your programme or my mum's not very well or this kind of thing. So it's, it's, it's different all the time. So I don't, I, I don't think I've ever done a brilliant programme. It's bizarre. 
bizarre to hear you say that because I'm only 10 years in and I think, you know, every day I'm learning about something new, but you as an established broadcaster, like what, so what you say you're learning all the time, what have you learned the last couple of months then that you try to improve on? I think I'm actually nicer now. Surprisingly, <laughs> I think I'm much a much nicer person because the trouble is, you know, the the laws changed in this country for broadcasters. Mm. At one time, you could say a lot of things, and people were doing shock jock stuff. And I never did shock jock stuff. I just wanted to talk about the, the things that affected me, whether it was health or whether it was just day to day life or living or Christmas or Easter, whatever it happens to be. And so every time I do a show, I'll, somebody will say to me, "Oh, that was really good. I like that bit you did on that." And I go, "Oh, right," because I can't remember it. <laughs> because the moment, because you do it, mm. because it's not scripted and because it's not pre-planned, it has to be whatever's going on in my head at the time. So sometimes my producer during the week, Chris, might say something to me, or he'll laugh uncontrollably. I think, oh, that was obviously, but I can't remember what it was that made him laugh. <laughs> so I, I can't then repeat it because it has to be different. It has yeah. to be something. It also has to be fun for me. Sometimes you get sad stories in the papers, and I'm I'm quite good at doing sad stories. I'm quite good at sort of twisting. You know, people's emotions. I quite, I quite mm. like that idea. If you read about a child who's very seriously ill or something that dreadful that's happened to somebody, then I, I can reflect that. So I can go quite easily between all the emotions. But I think that's that's just part of my makeup. I still cry at ET. I still, <laughs> seriously, I, I can watch it a million times. I will still cry at the same point every yeah. time and really? cheer and do everything else. And I do that with loads of things because I think you have to you have to be open with your emotions. Doing what I do. You have to be. It would be yeah. very easy to be a, a presenter who just comes on and does. To, and we have presenters who do that. They come on, they have their agenda, and that's what mm. they they stick to. You know, nobody knows my my politics because I'm not a political person. Couldn't care less. I like how you say that you're that you that you didn't do the shock jock stuff. You know, like back in the day. But now I would say because of like all the rules and regulations and everything's like so closely monitored now, isn't it? Would you say mm. that like for me, you are a bit of a shock jock? Really? Well, for when I when Lord. not not in like a sense where you do like wacky crazy stuff on. But just the things that you say, and yeah. I think that's from a perspective that, like, I would—I'd love to say that stuff and be as open as honest as I could be. Do you, do you, do you I, have long breaks where you can do that, or are you very much tied to you—you're only allowed twenty seconds or thirty seconds? You know, say like, say eight ten is like our big link, and right. that's our big content link, and that's when most people are listening. We'll try and make that no longer than ninety seconds. Wow. Only, only due to the fact wow. that um, I think <laughs> you'd that just, be like, "Wow!" No, but I think that just encourages us to keep to the point, get back to the. Yes, yeah. I can yes. see your boss saying, "Listen." Put all the key elements in there. Yeah. Put it all together, top and tail, either end. And that's why. That's probably why we have a producer because we need someone there to, to stop set... you rambling. Well, not to stop <laughs> us rambling, but I think, well, you know, this is how you're going to make it. You know, a minute and a half. Add this detail in. Take that away. Whereas with you, you don't necessarily need a producer because you can talk for as long as you want. Like, do you know what I mean? The, the reason I I need a producer is because they have to tell me when when the breaks are. Because sometimes <laughs> I'll look up like I did this morning and I said. Have I taken the quarter two break? You went, no. <laughs> I have to go, whoops. Why didn't you tell me? Because they, but once I'm in full flow, I'm quite happy going yeah. down that route. And whereas Matt, you like, you know, you're regimental when it comes to the breaks. You know exactly if, we, yeah. you know, if we're running 30 seconds late or whatever. Mm, so. yeah. But when you say shock jock, Polly, I, yeah. uh, and I, I just think he's authentic and real whereas I don't think we used to <laughs> I don't think we're, well you are you're with it. you say what you mean see, you I, say you what see, you feel you're analysing it too much yeah you're analysing it too much I'm just sort of an older person who's been around a lot longer than you <laughs> I've got more things to talk about you know putting, yeah. putting my socks on is a bit of a, an achievement you know <laughs> without moaning or making strange noises so um, I think people try and analyse radio too much whereas all it is it's supposed to be a bit of fun yeah if people I mean obviously it works for me because the audience figures are there and because I know that after 40 years here, I'm obviously doing something right. If, mm. if, if I wasn't producing the figures or if I wasn't doing what they wanted to do, and believe you me, I'm quite alien to a lot of stuff on LBC because I don't do phone-in, you know, I don't really want to talk about Brexit. What I'm, what I'm employed to do is get an audience and my audience is supposed to then bang on to yeah. the breakfast show and that's it. If you don't have a good show before that, and that's all it comes down to. So James Rea, um, as he uh, he's given you free reign more like because you are when he first came in. I've, I've said that I've told. Well, he knows because I tell people this story. Yeah. When he first came in, he was he he was brought in, and I've had a number of program controllers over the years, as you can well imagine. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> bye bye. So I just said goodbye to the producer. Bye. <laughs> she has to go and sleep. And uh, and he said to me, he's, he's, we, we sat upstairs in our uh, cafe, 
And he said, oh, Steve, he said, I've listened to your programme. And I thought, oh, God, here we go. This is where they go. Unfortunately, we have no need of you. And he said, <laughs> he said, I see you really acting and reacting well with the listeners. And I thought, I don't. <laughs> and I said to him, I said, I'm not a phone-in presenter. He said, I'd like, like to try it. But unfortunately, by that time, I was quite established with my audience who, you know, if you read some of the stuff, they either love me or they hate me. There's no sort of middle ground to it. And they decided they didn't want to hear me doing phone-in. OK. And so they then put out this thing and they started a campaign for people not to phone me, which then made it all the more difficult. <laughs> because here I am with my boss saying, I want you to do yeah. it. He, he pays the money. So I said, all right, I'll go with it. But it just wasn't my sort of thing. Because if I'm in full flow and I'm doing a programme, then all of a sudden you've got to go to somebody who might be a little bit old or whatever. Mm. And, and you go, so-and-so, so-and-so, so Hello, Jack. And you go, oh, God. Immediately your programme backtracks. And so we tried it for a little while and then it just sounded desperate. So we agreed to stop it. Okay. And he will now tell you, he said, I know what it is you do. He said, I get it. He said, it took a few months to get what you do. He said, but now I understand what you do. Well, and it works because you talk about the, mm. works for the spike. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, that must feel great to have that massive audience. I mean, you're winning. You always worry about it. <laughs> I <laughs> every time, Rage, I'll come around, as you know. Yeah. You know, I've got lots of friends of mine who work for different branches of our different mm -hmm. companies around around the country. And I, I always send them a text and go, how did you do? And the, <laughs> three of them this time would come back going down this time. And I said, listen, don't worry. Don't worry, because they go down, they go up. You're yep. not doing anything differently. Mm. You're, you're doing exactly what you do every day. But we always, even me at my age, I still climb into bed on that night before Rage are going, oh, yeah. God. Just supposing it, <laughs> just supposing the audience has vanished. Just supposing they've gone, we don't want to listen to Steve Allen anymore. We'd rather listen to, you know, anybody else but. And so, but then every year I'm proven wrong. So, I mean, I'm, I'm very grateful, but I've worked for it. Mm. So it's no big deal. Who cares? Talking of the, the, you know, the branches that you say, there mm. is, there's, uh, <laughs> I'd say a couple of rumours that, that your producer has a lawyer on speed dial <laughs> and <laughs> you have the most Ofcom complaints. Uh, that any I haven't actually, surprisingly. No. no. Okay. I mean, we haven't had an Ofcom for 18 months. Really? 18, which actually is unheard of. I keep saying to the producer, are you sure? That's, that's the big question that people always say to me. They say, have you not been sued? I said, never in 40 years. I've You've never, never had a fine? Never had a fine. Never had a fine. I've had some upheld's. Yeah. Some which we didn't even think were going to be upheld, and and I think probably it might have been three or four, and that was it. But in a, in a forty year period, it depends how hard they come down. At one point, mm. the radio authority used to say before we had Ofcom, they'd say that's the nature of the program. That's what he does. Yeah. I never libel anybody. So if somebody say, oh, you've just libeled somebody. I said, no, 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 no. I've never libeled anybody. You have to. You have to think. And I, it's an inbuilt thing now. Of if you say something about somebody, if I talk about Gemma Collins and I go, well, she's fat. She's fat. There's no two ways about it. She's mm. fat. That's not a libel. That's telling you a fact. If I say Gemma Collins goes out and treads on day old chicks, you know, yeah. she could quite rightly come back. But there's, but there's nothing that is ever said that would be considered actionable. No. But no. I do get that. You're quite right. I do get that from people saying, you know, he, he must have been sued and this kind of... But I, I don't get it. Have you ever thought? Have you ever had a moment on air where you might have had a complaint and you thought, this is it, I'm going to get fired or I'm going to get, you know, no. sent, sent to the top? I'll tell you for why. Because this, this company and my boss love me. But I don't, I don't take advantage of that. But they love me. They look after me. I mean, they really look after me all through my illnesses and everything. Mm. If they wanted to get rid of me, they could have got rid of me donkeys years ago. You know, you could find somebody else who wanted to talk about Brexit at 4.30 in the morning. But it, it doesn't work like that. They're, they're very good to me. They're very nice to me. They're very, very caring. I mean, I, I could tell you stories, but I can't because I'm forbidden from telling you things like that. But <laughs> they do look after me very well. But, but as I say, if, if I broke the rules, then I would expect to be admonished over mm. it. But, but I haven't. Mm. I've always been very good about things. It just sounds like it. It just sounds like it. So, you know, on, on, on the Katie Price thing, you know, she goes in to do Harvey's Law and you go, yeah, OK, that's fine. Where's his father? You know, you can throw that out and go, excuse me, is it just her? Where's the father? Also, did she show pictures of Alex Reed round when she was doing Big Brother's little bit on the side? In which case, she's doing revenge porn. You can be in big trouble for that. So I know what the law is. I know what I can say. As long as you don't tell an untruth about somebody and you lay it out, I have to lay it out somebody somebody said to me I'll, I'll give you a classic example Meghan Markle is going to join the royal family and uh, and I said well an outsider coming into the royal family this is the dilution of the royal family mm. and somebody wrote in and said what are you saying 
And so I said, no, I know what you're saying. I know what <laughs> yeah. I'm saying. Are you saying that, because uh, I said she's got no royal connections at all. She's an outsider coming into the royal family. And what they were trying to say was that I was racist oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. because because she's uh, she's mixed race. And I said, couldn't care less what she is. She could be Chinese. It doesn't make any difference to me. It's the dilution of the, of the royal family. She's got nothing to do with it. She's going to be in for a big shock with the royal family. And so you have to stamp it on the head. So I did something the other week and somebody said, what were you talking about? I can't remember what it was. And I said, let me just explain quite clearly what my position is before you get all carried away about it. Oh, vegans. Yeah. Vegans. <laughs> I said, we were talking about it. I said, I couldn't care less what people eat. You know, whether you eat day-old chicks, your sandals or you know, spaghetti <laughs> bolognese. It doesn't make any difference to me. I couldn't care less. I said, but don't try and tell me what I'm doing is wrong. You do what you want to do. I'll do what I want to do. And so that would upset. They'd go, it's disgraceful. Steve Allen's against vegans. You know, you think, listen, I couldn't give a toss about you. You can do whatever you want to do. But it's and great. So, it's good that you can quash those, those rumours and those yeah. things on air. Yeah. So because good. people then, then say, oh, wait a minute. I heard you the other week and you said so-and-so. Go, no, I didn't. Yeah. And they yeah. go, I heard you. Yes, you did. And it turns out they didn't hear anything. But a friend of theirs had said, yeah. Steve Allen had said, Chinese you know, whispers. It's Chinese whispers and it builds up very quickly. And as I say, you can go onto the internet and people, people talk about you. Do you ever have to, because we have to, as part of Unicorn, have to go to compliancy meetings. Are you ever summoned to go to these? We we have had them in the yeah. building. We normally do them as a, as a station where they say, this is what so-and-so said on another radio station. Mm. And you listen to it. And sometimes I go... You really said that? Yeah. yeah. Because I'm I'm almost horrified because we have to be careful. But the older I get, the the easier it becomes. But the always the thing you have to remember is if you make a mistake, acknowledge it immediately. Yeah. yeah okay. Don't don't leave it. So if you say something, you go, wait a minute, um, um, let me just tell you how I feel about that. So you have you have to correct it, and then if it does go to Ofcom, the fact that you uh, corrected it immediately is always good. Hmm. That's how it works for me yeah. anyway. But no, I mean, I, it's 18, 18 months now. As I say, we're, we're very surprised. Do you listen to any other talk shows? No. Any other radio at no. all? No, nothing at all? Nothing. Just don't, don't, just, don't just, just Do you listen to yourself back? No. <laughs> Never have. You no. see, that's what... Because, you, you know, you said um, about 10 minutes ago, you thought you had a rubbish show today. Yeah. I, I, We always feel like that. But then yeah. I actually go back and listen to the show and I go... Oh, do you know what? It wasn't that bad. As a listener, well, it couldn't it's listen. fine. No? I absolutely couldn't listen. Because I've got an idea of what I think I sound like in my mind. And when yeah. I first started, I thought you had to sound really deep and butch and make it sound very, very manly. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and then I, all of a sudden, somebody said, just be yourself. Just do, do what you do. Don't, don't try and mimic other presenters or you know, look at other presenters for guidance. Just do what you want to do. And so I did that. And, but I've never, ever in my life listened. I mean, I've been out in the car where I've heard little bits. But if I, if I wake up on a Saturday morning and in conversations on, I turn it off. Right. I would rather go and watch the television than listen back to an interview that I did, you know, the previous Friday or mm. something. Because I just can't bear listening to it. It sounds, it sounds really odd, but, it's, but I know people who love listening back and they correct things. Mm. I, I can't correct it. It's a radio programme. It's been done, you know, and I might make the same mistake again if I thought there had been a mistake. But nine out of ten times, I don't think I make mistakes. I don't think so. Well, Steve, we're going to give you your first snoop. Uh, no, <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> Actually, that, that's another thing. They do hear. They do do snoop tape. You probably do snoop well, tape. We do. Yeah. yeah, we do. Like, not all the time, but, you know, occasionally. Yeah, we do. And I, I quite, I really like it. I like oh, getting constructive criticism. Yeah. I hate it. If, in fact, it only ever happened once. We did it. Uh, we sat down with, with James, my boss and my producer. And he'd already asked the producer, can you get five minutes of Steve's show and just put it together in like a little montage? And we sat there. And I said, what is the point of this? <laughs> I said, there is no point in me sitting here, you analysing my progress. <laughs> I said, when it's going to be different all the time. Every single day, the show is different. Something will happen, something will be different. So I'm not going to repeat this kind mm. of thing. And so he said, you're right. And so we then... <laughs> so that was it? That was it. We didn't oh, do any We'll take some tips from Steve this morning. What is the point in this? Well, because I think, you know, if, if you think that you're doing it right, and, it's, and he said to me, he said... The last time he said, he said, your audience figures speak for themselves. Mm. He said, that's what it, and we're now much more into the business of audience figures. Yeah. You know, I would always expect him to lose me if, you know, even though he likes me and we get on really well and he's constantly trying to take me out for breakfast and all that kind of rubbish. But I mean, it's dull, dull and boring and things like that. So I don't, I don't do things like that. But, uh, he, you know, I've always expected him to lose me if they thought I'd lost my touch and all of a sudden the audience drifted away. 
Would your show though? Because I have I have a theory. I I fell in love with sort of the connection and the medium that radio gives between a presenter and, and an audience. Because mm. I used to do um, overnights on Absolute Radio, and and I I love that time of night. And I just feel that people mm. listen to the radio so much more intently yes. when it's that time of the night. Yes, do you, do absolutely. you think do you think that your your show would be different in the day? Uh, possibly. If I was going to do a show in the daytime, it would be a magazine type program. But I've done overnights. I was never one of those people who sort of subscribed to the graveyard shift because the overnight audience on LBC has been huge for years and years yeah. and years because it's speech and because people get lonely and they turn on the radio and they, they just want a friend. And that's that's why it works yeah, for us. Talk radio is so much better, like in the early hours or in the night. Yes, absolutely. Definitely. And people listen to it because in the daytime, it's it's in the background. You've heard a little yeah. bit. You've heard a phone call. You might have phoned up yourself. But at night time, there's nothing else going on. You can only hear that. So would you like to be moved no. in a little bit no, later? No, 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 no. I work in London. <laughs> I live in London. Listen, believe you me, the traffic from the time you get to, <laughs> right? to 10 o'clock in the morning is horrendous. It can, you know, In the morning, I can come in here in... 15, 20 minutes. Nice. Yeah. Which is absolutely nice. They mm. send a car for me. It's all very sweet. They send a car. I arrive you in. You are very looked after, aren't I'm you? Very <laughs> looked after. Very, very looked after. And they and they send a car for me, and and then I come in. I can have tea, coffee, whatever I want. You know, it's all free. It's all provided. And and then the producer says, right, let's go and do it. And so we just we just go and do it. And then at the end of it, we go and get the bus. I go home. <laughs> I mean, James Ray came in and, and, and changed LBC. So you, you've seen so many changes within mm. LBC across the 40 years you've, you've been on the station. Yeah. What's, what's been your favourite era uh, and, and why? Is it where you are now because of the audience figures? Are just See, you're delving too much into radio. <laughs> you are assuming I know radio. <laughs> I don't. I don't listen to it. I don't know anything about it. I, we've got more radio stations in this building than you can shake a stick at. Yeah. I couldn't tell you the lineup. I have no idea what people do. Mm. I don't listen to. I go in and chat to them because I've got friends who work within within the business. But I just don't know anything about it. I just so I I never go back and go. That was my favourite time because every time was my favourite time. Every time I come into work, that's my favourite mm. time. Oh, good. Because you, I love it. Do you remember like a best show all no. over the years? You've remembered that one. That was the one. No, I remember the first time we started doing live shows. That was very interesting because mm. Nick Ferrari had been out and he'd done a couple of live shows for this this company where you went out into different theatres in around London. And uh, and they said to me, why, why, why don't you do them? And I said to my boss at the time, who was a guy called David Lloyd, he said, oh, Steve, you should do them. It should be really good fun and all the rest of it. And so I said, OK, fine. So we got this guy in who'd organised Nick's tour and they put me on sale. I think it was um, Hatfield in Hertfordshire or some, whatever it was. And... Um, and I went out for lunch with my godchildren and I got a phone call and they went, OK, tickets went on sale this morning. I said, yeah. They said they've sold out. Wow. And I went, really? We didn't even have a show. We had no show at all. We had no idea what we were going to do, no <laughs> idea how it was going to play out. And so I said, well, you better put some more on. And literally, systematic, for a whole week, everything sold out. Wow. One of them sold out in like 35 minutes. It was really stupid. We couldn't work it out. And then we played. These were only 600-seat theatres. So they were just nice little niche places. But we didn't have a show. I just made it up as I went along. Would you do it again? I'd, I've done them uh, twice for Make Some Noise. Mm. I've done the Hippodrome. And again, it sells out really quickly. Yeah. You went on stage with no plan. You just literally made Nothing. it up as you were... Wow. Nothing. Just, Where did you start? I mean, is it just I like the radio show? Is it just on... Uh, when we did the last one at Christmas, which we've just had, um, I just did an hour. All you have to do is an hour. And I did an hour on my illness. Okay. So I was able to say it's been a really bad year. You know, what with burnings and angina and yeah. stents and all the rest of it. You'd be surprised how... how because I, I do a three-hour programme every day, so an hour is no hardship. No. Yeah. It's actually quite easy. Mm. It's just doing it without a drink. <laughs> and, and, and an audience which yeah. you can see. which And an audience which you can that, see as well. Was that they're weird very for loyal. You? No, they're very loyal. My audience are very loyal. They write to me. Christmas time is great. I get, you know... More cards, more presents. You get every. People are very nice because mm. people rely on you at four in the morning. Yeah. You know, if you're an insomniac or you know you're out of work or you don't know what to do and you're feeling a bit fed up, you might turn my program on mm. and then go. Oh, I actually, quite I quite like that. It's made me feel a bit better. I've laughed a couple of times. It's made me feel a bit better about my life. And so that's what it's there for. It's a bit like sort of cheap therapy, but it it, it works. But I never try and analyze it because once you start analyzing it, I think you're on a sticky slope. Mm. I, th I think you're on that sort of that sort of 
route, which means that everything you say, you go, oh, should I have done that this way? Should I have said this? Should I? And then I think, no, sod it. Don't don't say that yeah. at all. Just just go down normal route. Go on air. Go. It's five past four. It's five past five. Whatever it is. Nice to have your company this morning. And off we go. <laughs> what, like, what's your advice to people who are getting into? Because there's loads of people who want to get into radio. Yeah. We see that all the time. Like, but why we... do they want to get into it? Do they want to get into it because they think it pays good money? Because I've worked in it, when I first started, I was earning 8900 a year. Admittedly, it was 40 years ago, and it's gone up quite considerably, which is quite nice. But then, you know, if, if you're going into local radio, and I've asked friends of mine who are in local radio, and the, and the, the rate of pay is not so glamorous as people think it is. Mm. But if you really want to do the job, you'll do it because you like doing it. The money is not integral yeah. to it, unless you've got, you know, the mortgage and the car and bills and stuff like that but you have to go into the business because you like doing it it's like a mm. hobby you get paid for isn't it you're it lucky is. enough to get paid yes absolutely you know the, the, the very fact that at the end of each month money arrives mm. in my account is like wow they really like me <laughs> <laughs> i think no i think me and you to a certain extent would continue to do like i would do it for like if they if, never ever say you'll do it cheaper no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> i was about you'll to hear say it. yeah well no but i was about to say if there were if say for example something happened they were like look we're gonna have to give you a pay cut yeah. Like, would could you still do mm. the show? I'd be like, well, yeah, of course I would. Let's talk in a minute. Exactly. Don't let them hear that. Um, <laughs> no, I was going to say though, just going back to that question, how do people get into talk radio? That is the big problem. You see, years ago, are there you any could... newbies on, on no. you know, on the horizon? For yeah. journalists now, isn't I it know. going in? On music, you, you see it because people would sort of join and they go, oh, you somebody's off for the overnight. Do you want to have a go at the overnight show? Mm. Yeah. things like that. You can't risk it on talk radio. You cannot risk no. it at all. So, in fact, all the all the presenters, unless they're a celebrity, you know, like Nigel Farage, who's, who's got a profile, all of the people, I think, are gifted in their own particular way. Mm. You know, you won't find any two presenters doing the same thing. We're all very individual. And that's what we're actually paid for. Yeah. And so you you won't find a list of people. You might get somebody writing in saying, oh, I'd like to be a presenter. It would never happen. Even if you joined here as a producer, which you think would be a way into it, you're never going to go from producer to presenter. So what if there was someone in student radio now and they, they inspired to be a talk radio host? Like how, what would your advice be? Try something else. <laughs> like is, <laughs> it, is, that it, is it that much of a block? It, it is. Yeah. It is. It's so much. You look at all the speech radio stations, and there's not a huge amount of no, us. Yeah. There's a, a little small coterie. They're looking for people who can. You've got to have age. With the age comes mm. the experience. experience. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's very difficult. Whereas music, you can learn. I don't know anything about music. I can listen to you know, any of our stations here, and I don't even know what they're playing, unless it's a gold station. But to get into. We've, we've talked about this loads of times, saying there isn't a training scheme no. to get into speech radio because you stand and fall on your audience figures. Mm. So we've all got track record, you know, and even years and years ago, there was nobody who I think came into the building uh, as sort of just a trainee and ended up on air. <laughs> I know. We just, it just, it oh. is, it, it isn't a closed shop. It's just that they won't risk it. They would never put, put somebody on in my position, you know, between four and seven, because if they weren't very good within 10 minutes, you're stuck with them for three hours and you've got a breakfast show here. You could hemorrhage audience very quickly. So they won't they won't risk it. They almost get frightened about it, but they don't give people, the, you know, it, it's like sending in a demo tape. Years ago, you could send in a demo tape. My demo tape to LBC was me reading a news bulletin. That's all it was. Yeah. I lifted a news bulletin from in those days, IRN. I think it was played out on Capital. And I took out the presenter's voice, substituted <laughs> mine so they could hear me reading a bulletin. Yeah. <laughs> Which is which yeah. was the best way to do it because idea, then they yeah. knew what it sounded like, as opposed to going, oh, I really want to come and work for you because it's great and, and that kind of thing. But it, you have to you have to you have to sell yourself, but mm. to sell yourself to speech radio is difficult. Well, I suppose it's more pressure, isn't it, as a presenter on speech because you're. I mean, the the radar literally falls on on you, whereas on music, you, we we could blame the music. We have a bad one, but like the music's it's the music, rubbish. The music's wrong. <laughs> but literally, as a talk presenter, it's all the, you're the reason yeah, why people tune yeah. in. Yes. Yes. Or not. You know but I, mean? I think that that's the same for all the presenters on LBC. Mm. People are listening, like if you listen to Radio 2 or Radio 3 or Radio 4, perhaps not Radio 3 or 4, but definitely Radio 2 and Radio 1, you're listening to the presenter. And that, that's what it is. And, and the more successful you become, you know, the, the happier everybody mm. is. So I can't imagine doing anything else now. Years ago, you'd go, oh, right, so now you've been a presenter, now you're going to be a programme controller. I'd be rubbish as a programme <laughs> controller. Absolutely terrible at all. You know, because it's just not my sort of thing. I couldn't manage people. But I know what what sounds good on the radio. I know that, you know, that, that because I can look at the figures and yeah. I can go, that's the spike. It's still working. People still tune in to hear me. But 
Once you walk away from it, you walk away from it. It's yeah. radio, isn't it? You just you clearly, come back tomorrow. You love your job, um, as we can tell from yeah. talking to you and listening to you on the radio as well. Do you, I mean, you, you don't take holiday, do you? No. You're, you're famous for n- never, ever, not even a, not even a, f- a week. No. <laughs> Why, Why is that? Because of, is I, it the fear of missing out? It's it's, well, it's it's a combination of I like the money. Yeah. So that, that makes me a little bit sort of tied to place. Secondly, on on the mornings I don't have any interviews to do. I'm home by quarter past eight in the morning. What do mm. I need to go on holiday for? <laughs> so at Christmas, I work and then I go off to spend Christmas with the family and my godchildren yeah. and everybody else. But I don't do holidays because I've been everywhere. I don't lie on beaches. I don't do swimming holidays. I'm not interested in a sightseeing holiday. When I was younger, we were in the forces, so we, we had lots of uh, placements around the world. And there's nothing I want to see. Mm. I don't want to sit on a coach with a lot of people who smell a wee. You know, I'm not interested <laughs> in that. I'm just, so, so holidays don't bother me. I've got friends. In fact, this year they are, they're saying to me, come on holiday, come and do a week. And I'm, th- I'm going, yeah, okay, great. And then the nearer it gets to it, I go, oh, I don't want to do it. What would I do on holiday? What time do you get up in the morning? I get up at one. One? One o'clock. Wow. Yeah. I so get one up o'clock w- for a four o'clock start. Yeah, but because you I make get... me feel bad now because I wake up at five for a six o'clock start. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I, I only live like two, I live I live like two minutes away from the studio. Though, oh, so that's it's not why. too bad. I couldn't do that. I I go to bed. I mean, some at the weekend I go to bed a bit later. But yesterday I was up. I was awake at eleven last night. So right. I was I was awake then, and I managed to get everything done. Then I came in here, and uh, and it, it it's all fine. But during the week, I'm generally up at about. Uh, what time am I up during the week? Sometimes, well, it's supposed to be one o'clock, but I sometimes wake up twelve. Because you're 12. totally nocturnal, aren't you? Totally, <laughs> totally. The car comes at about quarter to two, gets yep. me in here at say quarter past two, and then I've got enough time to go through the papers, have a cup of tea, have a chat, do whatever I want. And the papers are in by quarter past two. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What if you didn't have a newspaper? I've tried. I've done it before. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> the papers are late, and they'll go. You're like, ah. Steve, the papers are not in. Yeah. You go, okay, fine. So what they'll do is they'll actually print off the front pages. Okay. Oh, will they? For me of the papers, <laughs> so I know what they're going to look like anyway. Okay. But no, I, if if I can't fill a three-hour program without the papers, there's got to be something to matter. My boss would be horrified if I sort of said, oh, "James, I've got no idea what I'm going to talk about," and he'd be going, "Don't be stupid. You're a radio presenter. Go and yeah, do it." Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you you have to do it. But and all, but also it, it's the challenge. Yeah. Sorry to get morbid, but you have been talking about content on the radio. You've said that your ultimate on-air moment would be to, to die on the radio. Yes, absolutely. I think I agree with that, actually. <laughs> I'd love to die on air. Yeah, I know great. that seems really weird, but as you get a bit older, you start thinking, you know, I don't want to die not doing anything. I want to die doing yeah. what I love doing. Yeah, yeah. Like Tommy Cooper died on the stage. Yeah, yeah. And you think, I quite fancy that idea. I know it sounds morbid, but the trouble is the older you get, the more you think about, mm. you know, how many more years have I got you know, how I always think that because the iller you get, you know, and I'm on like 80 tablets a week, which sounds great. It's fantastic. I and mean, I'm really excited, you know, not wear yeah. glasses <laughs> and I inject insulin. So you know, I've, got, I've got the complete set. So it always gives me something to talk about. So I, I love it. But you do think, you know, I'm older than a lot of my contemporaries. You know, a lot yeah. of my ex-producers have died and... Gosh. Well, I know that. Well, they were old when we started, so yeah. <laughs> it's completely different. But no, so I mean, I always think about that. But definitely to die on air, I just want to inconvenience the producer. Yeah. <laughs> I want, I want the producer on the window. to go. Hello? That's right. We go, Steve. Oh God, have you we ever missed been, the ads? He have has you, gone. Have you ever been tempted to pretend just to kind of wind no, the producer I up? I think about it. I thought that would be so cruel. So, and also, it's like the little boy, isn't it, crying wolf? Yeah. I, yeah. I couldn't do that, but I said to him, I said, but you, I, I want two things. Because I said to James, my boss, I said, I will get mentioned on the bulletin, won't I? And he said, I'll make sure you're mentioned yeah. on the bulletin. And that's all I care about. I haven't told Matt this yet, but I know he's going to love it. Oh, mm. Tell us a little bit about Ivy Hartley. Ivy Hartley. Oh, I love this story. Ivy Hartley. For years on LBC, we didn't have these screens. We had none of it. It was a typewriter. There was none of this digital stuff or anything else. And so and there were no phone calls or anything mm-hmm. overnight. And people used to write in. And we started. I started it by making up letters. Because I thought, I'm filling a programme. What am I going to fill it with? Letters. So I would make up a letter. And I'd say, oh, Joe's written in. Joe says, oh, great show the other night. And it, it tended to be a little bit of an ego massage. Mm-hmm. And so we did this. And then people started picking up on it. And people started writing in. And, and I'd recognise people's writing. So we used to get, you know, a couple of hundred letters a week. Yeah. Which actually was great. And so I'd written, sometimes I'd go, they'd just go, I think you're great. And I'd throw them away. Because, you know, you'd, <laughs> I, I wanted something a little bit more <clears throat> substantive. And uh, this lady started writing to me, Ivy Hartley. Always in ink. Always beautifully 
beautifully done and she would write in and I started featuring her on the programme together with a load of other people and it went on for quite a while actually, quite a while and I've still got a few, a few of the letters that she sent in and she'd, she'd sort of say oh today I did so and so so and so and I did this and it's always lovely to hear you and she obviously did her, her daytime stuff and then she would go home, she'd have a cup of tea and she'd settle herself down and listen to the programme and that was her, that was her connection to everybody else and people would write in and go oh Ivy didn't write the other week <laughs> and so I'd then say well Ivy where were you last week why did you not write last week Ivy and then she'd write back and go oh, I'm ever so sorry and so I said, <laughs> yeah. didn't write you and so we, we sort of built up this this sort of connection with people on the program because it was providing a lifeline and then one day after about probably about 18 months I think probably a little bit less I got a letter and I didn't recognize the right I just opened it but inside was an envelope and it was Ivy Hartley's writing on the envelope. And I remember thinking, oh, that's a bit strange. Perhaps somebody's found, perhaps the post officer just sort of put it in there and mm. sent it on. And it was from her sister. And she said, uh, uh, I just better let you know that uh, Ivy passed away. But she left, I'm going to cry now. <laughs> I but she wanted you to have this, this letter. And so I opened what was the final Ivy Hartley letter. And she said, dear Steve, if you're reading this, then it means that I've passed away. Oh. And uh, she said, but you never knew anything about me. She said, but I've been very ill for a long time and was in and out of hospital. So if I missed a week with you, I'm sorry. But I just want to thank you for, for being my sort of person who saw me through the night when I wasn't feeling my best. And I remember, th and I read this out on stage and I was just in a terrible state. <laughs> I got in a terrible state over it. And, uh, and I've still got that final letter from Ivy Hartley because, you know, she wasn't anybody. But on my programme, she was mm. somebody. And that's yeah, what we yeah. all have the ability to do, to, you know, to make the, the person who, you know, doesn't feel very worth, worthful of their own life. And they think, you know, so I was her little lifeline. It was the fact that she'd taken the trouble to write a letter to me when she wasn't very well, knowing that I'd be reading it after she died. And that, I thought, was, you know, that's, you, do, you do get stuff like that. You, you meet people. I, I go out... Every Christmas, there's a, a group of my listeners, probably about 20 or 30, and we go to a restaurant in town and they all take pictures and the restaurant look after us really well. And so that's their thing. But they're very competitive with each other. Who's Steve's best friend? Who does she like more? <laughs> <laughs> so we always get that. But no, I, Ivy Hartley mm. was, was oh. what I call a special yeah. radio listener because it changed her life. Because up until then, people didn't read out people's letters on the radio. Yeah. And I just thought it was a nice thing to do. To, you know, but I didn't know anything about her. I knew nothing. I didn't know how old she was. It turned out she was 89. But I didn't know anything about her at all. It was only that one little final letter saying, I've been very ill, but thank you for you know, making me feel a bit better about it. I mean, for some people, you're, you can be the only voice they hear all day. And you're talking to them on that one-to-one -one personal yes. level. And it well. does sound like one-to-one. -one, yeah, no, it does. I yeah. always yeah. think that. Yeah. Whenever you say, well, I've got friends of mine who uh, they'll sort of, you know, even friends who know me will mm. write in, which is really bizarre. <laughs> I was like, why are you writing into me? You know me. You'll be speaking to me later. <laughs> and they go, because you said something on the radio early in the hours yeah. of the morning. And so we've got to talk about it. And so you do that. And, and it is, I do feel I'm talking to that person. Mm. I do feel that. But not in any sort of, I don't want to get friendly with people. <laughs> you know, I, I, I like people to know that there is a there is a dividing line which you can't cross with me. You, you know? did say on air this morning we don't do touching in Britain. We don't. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you for sharing I'm, that I'm not, story. I'm not with very us. tactile. No. <laughs> I'm not ta I want to be tactile, but there's HR now and you well, can't. <laughs> can I give you Can I give you a cutch later on when, when yeah, we? Yeah. Okay. Okay. okay cool. Right, okay. Um, no, thank you for sharing that story. I, I love it. I think it's very powerful. It just shows the the medium and the connection mm. that radio gives. It so, does, and it yeah. gives it to so many people. It gives it to so many people. People who you might not know. You yeah. know, and, and, and they'll sort of say, oh, I listen to you every morning or I listen to you at night or I listen to you in the daytime. And you don't realise for them that's that's the lifeline. Yeah. Mm. No, it's absolutely. We've got, nice we got a guy called Andrew who calls up our show every day and he has done for three years and oh. it's always bang on nine o'clock yep. as he's going into work and, and, and he calls even when he's on holiday. Oh. And it's neat. And sometimes we're a bit like Andrew's on the phone, but we know that if we take this call, that's it made be his the, day. That's yeah. made his day, yeah. and we always give him, you know, five minutes of our time yeah. every single day. So I think it's worth it because I think Absolutely. it also gives you back something as well. It makes you feel as though what you're doing is worthwhile. That yeah. somebody who you don't really know takes that time and trouble to do that mm. one thing. Sometimes they can be a pain. Yeah. Sometimes you think, oh, not them again. But then you're right. You you've absolutely hit it on the head when you've said that makes his day yeah. that is his little bit of I'm famous 
I'm on that <laughs> breakfast show. I'm, yeah. You know, people know who I am, and that's and that's what people crave. They like that kind of thing. Absolutely. In conversation, what, who's the one guest that you'd love to have on? If you could wave a magic wand, I know you're into you're into magic. So magic wands are quite. I had, I think I've had. I did Julie Andrews. We've had people like so. Many, I've, I've done Dustin Hoffman. I've, I've sort of done. Billy Crystal. I've done loads and loads of people that that I quite like. Yeah. And there's always people because each one is just an interview to me. You mm. you don't get to know them. You either have a bit of fun for twenty minutes yeah. or it's torturous. And as I say, a lot of them, I don't. Sometimes I don't know who they are. We had somebody in the other day who's really really well known, and all the girls in the office were going, "Oh my God, you got so and so." And I went, "Who are they?" <laughs> and they go, "How could you not know?" And I said, "Well, I don't know. I'm just doing an interview with somebody for 22 minutes, so I, I, it's it's not necessary to know anything about them. It's the interesting thing for me is having a conversation, and I've learnt over the years." Don't write questions down if you're talking to a celebrity. Just listen to what they're saying yeah. and then pick up on something like that. It always works. I've got my questions in front of me. I, don't. I just, move, I just move no, into but the that's side. Always good <laughs> to have something that you can sort of, if you fall back on something, you know. I you didn't actually go... ask anything on here, to be totally I honest, know. though. <laughs> I'd like to hear you chat to Gemma Collins or Casey Price. Well, I was about to say, would you ever, yeah, would no, you ever no, speak to them? No, 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 well, not ever. Just, no. I, that would be great radio though, Steve. No, I'm sure it would be. Don't go down that route, please. No, I would have no interest in talking to Gemma Collins or Katie Price or Kerry Catone or anybody like that. I'm not really interested. I'm trying to elevate myself a little yes. bit higher yeah, sure, than, okay. than the Loose Women panel or people like that. Gemma Collins, who had the audacity to say the other day when she's sitting with some bloke on this dating programme and he called her a diva and she went, you call me diva? And she stood up and I thought, you're not going to walk out because he's called you a diva. Surely not. Yes, she walked out. And I thought, what do you do? You know, all these people are here today, gone yep. tomorrow. Tomorrow's fish and chip paper. Do you have any dating advice for me? Dating advice. 31, single. I, was, uh, I wasn't single at 31, but I'm more than happy to be single now. I think if you stop looking at it as, oh, God, I'm single, then it becomes easier. Okay. If you actually worry about it and go, oh, God, I'm still single, and everybody knows you're mm. still single, that means it's something that worries you, which means that each person that you go out with, whether it's, you know, for a couple of days, couple of nights, whatever it happens to be, you, you look on as, as potential, this is going to be the one. This is going to be the one. Whereas if, if you don't worry about being single because a lot of my friends are single and they go do you know you get to that stage we just couldn't care less <laughs> who cares seriously you're in radio be in love with radio and if something comes I think along, that's the problem if you find somebody they'll find you I like that and I only ask you because I value your opinion because I like you so Thank you. <laughs> well she doesn't ask me yeah <laughs> <laughs> you she couldn't care less about <laughs> Steve the future of talk radio and the future of LBC Steve Allen apart uh, from dying on air well I've just, I've just <laughs> signed the contract <laughs> which always pleases me um, but is it, no, interesting what you said about how you know there's there's not a lot of new st like students coming in to talk radio. You said it's more celebrities coming in, it or is. you know the what what they're looking for is people who who can generate an interest because the one thing we're all in the business of is mm. audience figures. That's the that's the key thing. Never used to be, you know, when I started a long time ago, they were never bothered because there wasn't any competition. Now. There's competition everywhere. You've got a DAB radio. You can go around the world, practically. And so it has to be somebody who comes with, with track record. I And, you know, there is a future for speech radio, very much so. I mean, LBC's audience is, you know, is sort of creeping up and up and up, which mm -hmm. is good. But whether there's a place for younger people coming into it, I don't know. And mm. I would have to be honest and say, I don't think so. The reason being, years ago when LBC started, we had a young person's programme on a Saturday morning called Jellybone. And they would invite in young people to be on a panel and all the rest of it. And Clive Bull used to do it. Uh, but he'd been on an LBC scheme. But that was it. And then Therese Birch did a programme. We used to have lots of different programmes in those days. So there was a, a, more of an opportunity for people to sort of get their foot in the door. But I think nowadays, I think it's really difficult because they're not going to risk it. Mm. Yeah. They, they can't afford to pay somebody the money that they, they pay people nowadays for them to completely decimate their audience. And so, you know, if, if my boss smiles at me tomorrow, I'll know that I'm doing the right thing. <laughs> or if he goes, Steve, <laughs> think, oh, God, I'm in trouble again. But uh, no, I mean, it's, it's I, for me, I don't know. I'm just always grateful when they say, do you want another contract? <laughs> Believe you me, as you know, in the business, that's, yeah, that's the yeah. nice thing, because that means that they like you. That yeah. means that they respect you. And my, my contract doesn't run out until August of this year, but I've already got the new contract. Okay. 
to run ahead of time ahead of time yeah nice. because it, it's it's and he said to me he said will that make you feel feel more secure because he knows what I'm like. Even mm. at my age, I'm still insecure about that. We're exactly it's the same, so, aren't we? It's, so it's terrible, yeah, it's, isn't it? It's, but it's good to hear it from someone yeah, of someone your, who, your stature oh, in yeah. radio. It feels the same as well. As I say before, you are the most established talk presenter in, in British <coughs> radio, I feel, and you still have the same insecurities that yes, we have. absolutely. Probably more so. They used to phone us up at night and say, oh, Steve, I've got your figures. And you go, oh, not now. Don't do it. <laughs> oh, I'm going to bed. <laughs> because if they were good, you couldn't sleep because you'd yeah. be excited. So now yeah. we all wake up and there's a website that we go to. To, to check and see what, what the figures are saying. And, uh, you know, I quite like that. But I always come in here and my producer will go, did you see them? And I go, yeah. And he go, you've still got the spike. I said, <laughs> I know, I know, but it doesn't make it any easier. <laughs> no. Because it just means that the moment you get complacent, you're not giving 100%. Well, long may the yeah. spike continue. We, yes, we I love listening that. to you in the morning. <laughs> I say that too. Thank you. <laughs> we love well, it. thank you so much. I, I'm in awe of you and what you do and just to speak to you and about like how you're just not really bothered about radio. I just kind of just... <laughs> <laughs> I'm the least radio person you'll ever meet. Um, I'm terrible. I don't even possess any T-shirts with radio <laughs> on or anything You mean like you don't that. have a bumper sticker? I do not. Not even an LBC mug. No. I have a collection of mugs at home. Oh, LBC, I Capital, have. Heart. Hey, you oh, wanna, do you? You want to make sure he didn't nick any of the merchandise? Absolutely. If you can find any, good luck. Steve, <laughs> yes. I brought you some Welsh cakes. And it is. I'm very grateful. I hope they're all I, right for diabetics. Well, I, do you know what? I feel I awful. I did say that at the service station. I know. And the now I'm... Don't, don't tell them that they're from an authentic Welsh no, little boutique shop. You know shop. them being baked. Hello, Steve. They're from the service um, station. I also bought you a little Welsh lady magnet. I love just my so little lady. Just so you can remember the, the time a little Welsh lady came to see you. The next time, if you bring me a little, a little coracle that can go next to it, <laughs> and then that'll be the little old lady who's got some uh, some daffodils. They should be leeks, shouldn't they? Well, daffodils are leeks. They're, they're both uh, an emblem oh, of Wales, yeah. Oh, right. Oh, well, there yeah. you go. That's good. I, I love my, my little fridge magnet, so thank you very much indeed. Perfect. Very well, grateful. thank you so much. You need to send me a photo of you two in the studio. Who um, actually says the first words in the morning between the two of you? Do you take it in Matt. turn? It's Matt. It's Matt, actually. Is it Matt? Yeah. Do you say the first words? Yeah. Usually coming come out the songs. You know, there's that no, was point, there's no point in even fighting with him. I have to pick and choose my arguments. So. <laughs> I thought it'd be the other way around. I thought you'd be leading it. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Well, she's led this interview because it's her, it's her thing. So I've kind of, I've had to bite Don't my lip today. Oh, we were. <laughs> the old rubbishing. We Do you know what? Yeah. I've worked with Matt now. I've known Matt for 10 years. I've worked with him for five years. And I'm so, so lucky to have him as a co-host, honestly. Yeah. I'm I lucky I to have you too. No, I'm oh, being serious. I'm be sick. <laughs> no, I am serious. I want, I want you to know that. He is, he's, re he's really, really Thank good at his job. And I I love Do you know what? We're lucky to have you, Steve, as our prep source yes. in the morning. Because <laughs> you know, a lot of breakfast shows listen to you for yeah. prep. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. It was good. What's he talking about today? Well, that sounds good. Let's do that one. Let's do that one. <laughs> yeah. We like that one. Well, when we hear something on the radio, we come in and we've got like our six. So we were talking about this earlier. Like, right, six ten. What should we do? Oh, should we do that, Steve? Yeah, Steve, the one that Steve Allen. <laughs> Chris Moyles is the same. He used to come when he first came into this building. He came and he went. Oh, that's what you look like. He said. <laughs> he said. Oh, I've been listening because when he was at Radio One, yeah, he would listen to this. And then he'd get his producer, he'd say, right, he did this, this, this and this oh, wow. this morning. He said, I want to do those four. Because we, we generally do about 30 or 40 topics. And so you can pick something out. And there's generally some mileage in all of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But that's, that's what the business, isn't it? That's the bit, what the business is. Yeah, I love it. Awesome. Thank, Thank you, you so, much. so much. Thank you. Right, let's go home. Two, yes. and a half, two and a half hours to go home. That was the, the talk episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Just a very intriguing person, isn't he? Yeah, um, I was quite <laughs> surprised actually because um, they say you should never meet the people you respect in whatever the walk of life. Don't never meet your heroes. Don't meet your heroes, and I was a bit nervous about that. But actually, he turned out to be a really, really nice guy, yeah. really insightful as well. I know he's gone off to walk his dog. <laughs> yeah, in Regent's in Park. In Regent's Park. Well, look, if you enjoyed that, I hope you did. Let us know what you thought, and um, we'll be back with another one next week. It's going to be the showbiz on radio podcast with Pat Sharp, Matt, Pat Sharp. and the pop prince, Kev Hughes. Oh, two legends. I know. So continue to subscribe, <laughs> download and rate and review. Big up to Radio Today who are continuing to support this and Omni Studio as well who are my podcast hosts. If you're listening to this on various different platforms, it's because of them. So thanks very much. And thank you, Matt, my lovely co-host. Thank co -host. you for asking me, Polly. That's all right. Thank you. Capital Breakfast. We're back tomorrow <laughs> from six. Things I love about you. My decade in radio by Polly James. Supported by Radio Today.